Welcome to What She Said. My name is Candace Sampson, and when I first took over What She Said in January 2020, I jokingly asked in the intro, what could possibly go wrong? And then 2020 said, let me show you. My life has been a country song ever since, but then again, so is everyone else's right now. Thankfully, through this podcast, I get to meet the most amazing and inspiring women in Canada and around the globe and share their stories with you. What She Said is here to talk about anything and everything under the sun as interpreted by and through the perspective of women. Because honestly, we've heard what he said for long enough. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Today's show is coming right up. Of all the things that 2020 has brought forth, who possibly could have predicted that we would have seen one of Canada's brightest stars, We Charity, under a microscope? My next guest had a pretty good idea back in 2012 when she wrote her master's thesis, Pomp and Circumstance, Communication Strategy, Charitainment, and the Media Event in the Humanitarian Context. Focusing on the communication strategies of We Day, which won the Best Civil Society Thesis Award in 2012 in Sweden. When We Charity became a headline for all the wrong reasons this summer after the Liberal Party awarded We the administration of a payment program for the Canada Student Service Grant Program, a $900 million volunteer program, the opposition quickly raised questions about ties to the Trudeau family. My next guest tweeted out her thesis, and it instantly went viral. Meet June Finlay, a social media creative strategist based in Toronto and tipper of Sacred Cows. June, I thank you for joining me today. I have to tell you, I feel like I am stepping onto hollowed ground here with this topic. (laughs) Um, So talk about we, and, and that's a bit of a very iconic Canadian um, institution, really. Yeah, a brand institution, all of the above. And you're not alone in feeling like it's hollow ground because it is a very complex situation that a lot of everyday folks um, understand only maybe 5% of. So it's totally normal. I just want to be able to say that to people. I'm like, if you feel like you're confused, you're not the only one. There are plenty of others who even I've had to explain to my own family what this is all about. So. Right. So this is not a attack on charity or an attack on uh, the participants or people who've supported it, but really it's just a closer look at how it runs. And you call it, you had a word for it uh, in, in the article. Is it not infotainment? Charitainment. Charitainment. Yes. And so let's talk about... Uh, how this all started for you. You wrote a thesis. Yes, I did. So I pursued my master's degree in media and communication science in Sweden, in a little town in almost the middle of nowhere, as we used to call it. Um, And while I was there, I was very interested in learning about, we were learning mostly about political communication, but I did not really want to talk about political communication because at the time in Canada, it was very boring, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) And having been involved in charities almost my entire life, I kind of wanted to talk about how, um, even just before that thesis time, we were talking about celebrity involvement and how they influence politics and things like that. And that interested me. And so between that and We Day becoming even more, uh, growing even more, especially in the U.S., they had just started to 
to cross over into the U.S. at that point. This was in 2011 and 12, by the way. Um, I saw an opportunity to talk about something that, A, I was actually interested in, B, that I want to talk about for more than, you know, for, it was six, it's a six-month commitment, so you have to want to talk about this thing for a long time and research it. And C, is just more of a soul-searching moment for me in, in terms of my, my experience in various charitable organizations and, like, what does it all mean? And so We Day provided the perfect opportunity in terms of research, lived experience, and all that to really look into it more as I was just curious about it. And that's what you need to be in, to be uh, a good researcher. So you need to be really curious about it. And so that's what, that's how it started for me. So previous to you uh, taking this on then to write about, had you participated in a We Day event? Had you, you know, had ex- first-hand experience with, with that? No, I personally did not have any, but my friends with children and I have quite a few people in my circle who are teachers. And so um, that was my anecdotal experience through it. And then, of course, at that point, they were starting to explore on social media, especially with YouTube, which is how I ended up doing most of my research um, in terms of getting the actual experience of We Day through YouTube. So between like friends and family telling me about it and then, um, and then their kids telling me about it too, and then experiencing it through We Day, which is what they set up. And some of those videos I used then are still up there now are on YouTube. So let's talk about then, so from the, the thesis, uh, I'd like you to, to lay out for me, uh, you know, what were the issues you found at that, that time? And then we'll fast forward a little bit to the current time and how it applies to now. So let's yeah. look at it back when you first wrote it. What were some of the issues you laid out, concerns? Yeah, so I had, um, there are a series of questions that I had, but I mean, to make it short, it was more or less like, what tactics are they using? What, in, what communication strategies are they using to really motivate people, whether it's emotional, wherever else, to motivate to act? And then really, is it authentic as well? And so when you boil it down to it, it's those three research questions I had looked at in my thesis. And so to, to come to that conclusion, I had to do a few things. Anytime you write a thesis, you have to do a literature review. And so I had done that with the basis of all this was, at, the, at that time, there was not a lot of research on um, what we call the media event, which is something like, you know, the Jerry's Kids Telethon, anything like, anything like Kids Help Phone, stuff like that, where it's like a media event for an hour where you just, you know, get people to give. Um, but there's research on that in Europe, but not North America. And so that's where I wanted to add to that research as well. And so looking at that through discourse analysis, which is basically like you study language, because I'm huge on language too, I speak through them. And then looking at the patterns, and especially through video, through YouTube, um, which was, you know, new to me, not necessarily as someone who used it personally, but new as someone that's researching it, really looking at the way they would convey the message and the language that they would use and a lot of transcription, a lot of time, a lot of late night sessions on that. But you learn to see the patterns in different things when you use discourse analysis. And so what I found that, um, so youth are a very impressionable audience and they're the most desired audience in advertising. I'm in advertising now. Well, I've been advertising then, but I'm in the ad, I like, I'm in live in the Mad Men world now. And youth is the, the holy grail in so many ways. And same thing in charity. And so the reason why I was super interested in We Day and what was then Free the Children was because they were so successful at motivating young people to do anything, never mind just giving time or money. And so most organizations or brands want to do that. And so I found that while they were effective in getting them excited about what was happening around the world through these 
um, witness accounts of celebrities who were very pointed at the time. They're very good at doing that and getting booking celebrities who were very popular at that time, even if they weren't necessarily like celebrities. So pe- they got people like Romeo Dallaire, who at that time in, in 2007, they got Romeo Dallaire at the first We Day. And at that time he was, he was talking about his experience. There was a Shake Hands with the Devil book he was writing about in the CPC movie. So it was very salient to a lot of people at the time. So they're good at getting people for that moment to talk about what they've experienced either through a We Villages project abroad or something that happened at home. And so they were good at getting that. But then the other thing was, are they really getting authentic about it in the way that one, are they really providing the context to why this thing abroad is bad and what we should do about it? Unfortunately, using celebrity involvement or charitainment is, while it inherently isn't bad, it unfortunately reduces a very complex situation to a binary decision, whether this is good, this is bad, we should help, we should not help. I feel like this, I feel like that. So, and especially to a, a young person who, especially nowadays, is very smart and very nuanced and is more open to learning about things on their own, not necessarily because someone tells them to do it. It's very important that when in those discussions of humanitarian work and international relations, it's super important to provide a context, maybe a watered down one, but still one that provides a context for you to be able to think for yourself whether to make this decision or not. And unfortunately, that tactic of charitainment doesn't allow for that discussion. And then the other thing was a lot of stuff would perpetuate the idea of um, the white savior or the othering of other people and that, you know, we're over here. And when I say here, I mean Canada, the U.S. and the United Kingdom, where most of their school programs and we days take place to they would open the spotlight on one of their own projects in they have projects in Africa Asia and South America. And so it was only from their perspective and at that point in that time, and to explain international relations just to an adult is complex. Trying to explain to a 12 year old, a 15 year old, a 19 year old is really difficult without having to just, you know, employ those tactics of, you know, you can help this person with what you have, which is true. I'm not saying that, you know, you can't use what you have to help people. I'd say this all the time, even in my own life, but when you're using the point of you can help this poor little black child, you can help this poor little brown child who's old, poor situation, who's poor, and not necessarily explain the context of that. And honestly, when I've gone to these countries, it's more or less like, you know, it's a situation that you're in at the time. You may or may not be happy with what you have or whatever else, but that's not for you to decide. That's for them to decide. And unfortunately, their voices are not heard in this conversation. The only voices we are hearing are that of the charity, and of that of the donors, which is the youth at this point. And so through the various, and I picked on five, not picked on, but I picked five. <laughs> I picked five yeah, we should videos. clarify that point. Yeah, clarify it. Pick on that. <laughs> I examined their views. So it was, you know, people like Pinball Clemens, Jesse Cruikshank, Jane Goodall. These are people whose videos I looked at and analyzed from various points of like reference, whether they knew them or they had experience in the field or how familiar they were to the audience. But those people like that that I found either yes, they were, they meant well, but the message did not come out very well, or rather selfish, or rather it perpetuates the white savior complex, or that, you know, they really are mean to help, but I wish they had more time to really talk about it. But most of these speeches are five minutes, um, at least on when they edit them for YouTube, it's five minutes. um, And at least back then it was. And then most of their actual speeches are like maybe 10 to 15. But they edit them for time for all of the mediums and that they're 
made for so tv online whatever so either way even when you get the unless you're there for yourself if you're not at WIDA, you don't even get the full story so if you're watching on tv if you're watching on youtube that conversation is reduced even more and there's less of a chance for you to even figure out what the situation is and what i can do to help and unfortunately that's um but and then the third thing was that now is it's more to add that to the discussion now the thing with the whole what we call philanthropic capitalism it's very close to what's been done over the years on we day and what we charity does because unfortunately at least from what it appears to look like from the last few reports that have come out over the last month in that you know i want to be able to help someone if i want to do that i should be able to just say donate the, the the one thing i say in ch for charities is that the best thing you can give a charity other than your time is actual money they don't need things they need actual money because that way you get a tax receipt to prove that you, you did that they get to show you how they spent that money and the, and people actually get helped it should not ever come with a yes and so with we charity unfortunately and some other charities can have started to do this where if you buy this thing if you if you if you donate your money to a certain product a certain service a certain this then you'll help this person but there's no measure in terms of how that person's being helped and so that's the other thing with now in that a lot of people are questioning it in that how is this impact really measured if i buy a chocolate bar from a grocery store that they've partnered with how do i really know that that chocolate bar is going to help someone when it's actually been found that in some of these cases where they're actually, they've partnered with organizations that use child labor, even though ironically, We Charity or Free the Children was originally founded to abolish child uh, slavery and labor, so. Right, so they're, they're sort of, you know, um, uh, funding the very thing that they set out to be against initially, because I, you know, I am, I'm old enough, I'm 50, I remember when Craig Kielberger uh, started this. It's it's a very feel good story. Um, I've been at a couple we events with my children. Uh, they are, you know, get you energized and get you fired up. And and all I all I could think though at the couple I've been at is, what percentage of children are leaving this event, and are going to go forth and actually do something uh, to 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 help. Mm -hmm. And, and how many were just sitting there for the uh, entertainment, as you said, right? The people that come out on stage and, mm -hmm. and the fun of getting out of school for the day because they yeah. were all just running a school day as well. Yeah. Um, it did leave me with those things. Mm -hmm. I, don't think, you know, I don't think this is something that we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. I think that, it, you know, uh, we have certainly done a lot of good in my, in my, my view. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do appreciate that, you know, what you're saying. I think that there's some valid points here so the question is instead of dismantling it how do we change it how do we make it better that's hard and that's a conversation i've been having in the last couple of weeks with a lot of a lot of people since the article came out a lot of people from the charity world have reached out whether they were and i used to work in the i worked for in, in the charity nonprofit world for many years doing social media marketing there so whether it's former colleagues or people that want to work with me or whatever else They've asked the same question, like, where do we go from here? And honestly, I think with we or any other charity, they really need to be able to engage more with the people in terms of just be more transparent and just tell us where the money's going. I shouldn't need to, even just researching for the website, uh, for the article, the website was very confusing in terms of a user experience and all of that. Just finding out what your story is, what you're doing, all of that. Sometimes I was on the US site, sometimes I was on the Canadian site. And this is me talking from a digital marketing perspective in that 
any website you should have, especially a charity one, you need to be able to find the mission of the charity, what they do, who they employ, what their values are, and most importantly, where your dollars are spent. This goes for any charity. And then second of all, you need to be able to change with the times. So just because something has worked for you for so long, it doesn't mean it should still work for you. And legacy charities, unfortunately, are guilty of this, where they, and then knowing from a perspective of having worked in some legacy charities and that, you know, they, you suggest a change and they say, well, we can't do that just because this is the way we've always done it and that's the way it's going to be. But as a, what we call old millennial or zennial, I know that that can't be the case because if you don't do it this way, you're going to lose future donors. Like, just think of it that way in that everything we do is to help more people. But, if, I mean, a charity's real job should be to put itself out of business at the end of the day. But if they can't do that, they need to be able to, um, you know, employ people who look like the city they're working in, employ people that have different experiences, or um, just be able to, you know, your, your needs of the community will change over the years, especially now that, for example, our population is getting older. There should be more, there are more services that are coming about. Like the YMCA has this excellent program for seniors that they came out with a couple months ago. But, and that's just one example. But there's other organizations really just need to change with the times and not necessarily think of uh, about what's good for them. They need to think about at the end of the day, you, you, your mission should be to serve others and eventually put yourself out of business. <laughs> that's, idea, that's very idealistic, of course. But um, yeah, I, I just think that not necessarily to, throw, to cancel everything and stop. It's really a good, this is a great opportunity for charities to really think about the fundamentally, fun, how they change and operate fundamentally. It's a way for, because the, the trust level for all charities has gone down. And so, and that's a risk because they really do serve communities. A lot of good work being done. I mean, to emphasize that, but especially for charities that work abroad, that work in international and sustainable development, you really, really, really need to figure out if and how you are perpetuating the white savior complex. There's a lot of people that are hip to that now. And so they're going to ask you questions and you need to be, if you're, if you're held, being held accountable for it, fine. But if it, cha if it challenges you to change, then I'm all for that. You know, systemic racism has been a big conversation this year, and it would be, I think, slightly ignorant to say that it wasn't built into this charity, uh, not intentionally, but it was there. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's in everything we touch in our society, so we have to look at everything, including the charities. But Absolutely. when it comes to the government right now and the money, Mm -hmm. uh, this is the big scandal du jour we're looking at in, in our yeah. political system right now. Yeah. Do we have concerns with that? Was because it that was money that was going out to young Canadians that mm -hmm. is now been that's stopped and that's that yeah. the flow of that is now stopped. Right. So yeah. are we causing more harm or or you know by stopping that flow? Mm -hmm. Would we charity have done the right thing with this money, do you think? Or are we right in stopping it? It seems like I think we were right in stopping it, not necessarily because of we charity. I think the the problem for me anyway, from what I've read and understood over the last few weeks, is that the program itself was flawed from the very beginning. And that no matter what charity was picked to to map it out and deliver it. It, it was rushed. I, I, and I know that, you know, in the time of COVID, everything needs to be, you have to think on a dime and pivot, but it's not easy for organizations like the government 
to really think like that. Like they did, a, I think so far, I think they've done a great job with CERB and all of those other benefits. And those were thought out because they were based on what already exists with employment income and all of that. This seemed to be unprecedented in that there are tons of summer, summer programs that are done for students. I've worked in some of them myself, but, and I've even been a benefit of some of them, but it's where the problem is where like, you know, in terms of harm, I think it would have been harm anyway, because it, it's been found that they would have been paid less than minimum wage anyway, and no one deserves to get that. No matter who's discovering it or no matter who's delivering it, no one deserves to be paid less than what the minimum wage is in their own province. And so, and then the details of it were murky. Nobody knew exactly what exactly would they be doing, what the criteria was, who qualifies as a student. Um, just the whole thing just really just unfortunately seemed to be rushed and, and thought out and not thought out very well and just rushed out to have something in time sets for someone to say, hey, we did this thing. You know, we're good. We're okay. We keep going to keep doing this thing. I think, unfortunately, it was a blunder on the government's part in terms of just figuring out what exactly it was meant to do and who it was meant to benefit because those two key details are still being figured out. And it's August now. School starts next month. Like, it's not happening. So it, I, I feel like at least maybe they should have figured out who was already delivering programs in their communities. There's tons of charities that already do this. And so maybe they would have figured out what's already happening and how can we benefit that. But that's just my, that's my opinion, having worked in various youth servicing programs for a, a few years. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think no matter who, who got it, it would have been a mess from the beginning just because the whole plan didn't seem to be fleshed out properly. Right. I don't think there was anything inherently evil about select the selection of We Charity to distribute these funds. Uh, I think it was probably chosen because it was the easiest route, the path of least resistance to get the funds out to the, the government, perhaps, and they didn't really think it through. Um, but you're, I think you're right. I mean, no matter who would have been delivering it would have hit all these hurdles. Um, so, um, but it, so I want to circle back to something though, because you work in advertising. Yes. And, um, I find this an interesting conversation because, uh, we know advertising, advertising is there to persuade, to mm -hmm. motivate you, to move you in a direction and, yeah. and about the ethics of that when it comes to a charity. Mm -hmm. uh, so when a charity advertises or when they promote and use dollars and charity dollars to promote themselves, mm -hmm. what are the ethics they should be following? It's a good question. Um, and I think now it's ironic that I had to cross over to corporate to know how to help the charities now. Cause I, I, I cut my teeth and I started, um, my career in social advertising in nonprofit, but now that I've left and I've seen the real possibilities of it and the money really, because there's so much more money outside of it. Um, but no matter what your, I always ask three questions, no matter if, you know, with my day job or people I'm consulting, I'm always asking three questions. One, who is your audience? Who are you talking to? What are you trying to say? What is your message? And then how are you, how are you going to prove what you, how are you going to tell them who you are and what you do by, you have to, everything goes back to those two things. So for charities, it's interesting in that um, in terms of ethics and all of that, you just, you need to be transparent. Like an annual report is the most important thing a charity can have. I've worked on them myself. I've helped write them. They're honestly the most boring things to read. But to me, and I've said this on other panels and all of this I've, I've talked about, but the more boring the document and the paper trail is, the better it is. If I don't have any trouble just finding it and be like, 
hey, this money went to overhead. Hey, this money went to marketing. This money went to salaries. Because people are really, especially with um, you know, provincial organizations, if they end up on the sunshine list, people can know about that too. So people just need to know where the money's going because people realize people are working at these organizations. They need to be paid. And so um, you know, as long as you just set it out and say, this is where we are. So you can advertise and say a whole bunch of things, and that's persuasion, all of that. And that's great, and there's different ways to do that based on the organization. But whatever you say, you need to be able to, to back it up. You need to be able to say, you know, if you say this many people reach, people should be easily able to find out how you measured that impact. People should be able to find out if you say, we raised this much money, thank you so much for helping, find out more of this report, that's all we need. And that can be, you know, that's, that's extra steps for people who, like me, want to be able to find out something, but... And some people will always take it at face value and some people will never believe you. But for the people in between, and that's really the important part of marketing, we want to be able to persuade the ones that are in the middle. You want to be able to provide enough information to entice, but enough information to make you curious enough to find out more about what it is you're talking about. And charities, unfortunately, haven't been very good at this over the years. Not necessarily about the ethics stuff, but just being able to relay their message properly. Having been, I'm at an ad agency now, and I've learned so much in the last nearly three years I've been there that I'm like, oh, this could happen. I could have done this for this charity, or I could have done this for that charity. And there's, it's so, it comes so naturally in the corporate world. But for charity, for some reason, and I realize it's also because there's just not enough money, but because, and especially for social advertising, it is insane. If I told you the amount of money that's spent just on digital advertising, it's insane. Um, but for most charities, they could be a lot better at a employing people that know the space properly because unfortunately, and I know realizing because it's a lot because of budget constraints and all that, they tend to lob two and three jobs into one, not realizing that a social media team could easily be five people because you need people to, to do, to be an art director. Somebody needs to create the stuff, a copywriter, somebody needs to copy, somebody needs to write the stuff. Oh, I, I feel this in a big way. I mean, right? <laughs> I, have, I have a radio station and, you know, a radio show, I should say, and a blog, two blogs and yeah. multiple social channels. And I'm trying to run it all. Exactly. Um, it's, Kudos. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so yeah. I, I know that there are teams of people. I mean, people look at Martha Stewart. I mean, just think about how many people are behind Martha Stewart, for example, running so look, that machine. That's a juggernaut machine. A brand in right. Goop. Uh, Goop is an amazing uh, example of just how much of a juggernaut they are in terms of just advertising. Even if you don't necessarily agree with them, and I'm just like, I'm like, you're over there. I tolerate you. But I was out, I, on, I was out on the vagina candle with Gwyneth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that. I know when at least to recognize. I'm like, okay, you're doing something right. And advertising more, and I can learn from that. So I feel like with charities, and really this whole thing I've been talking about with different people like yourself is like, I'm not coming against charity. I love charities. I think they do a lot of good. I even ran a uh, marketing charity campaign for my, from my own platform for my birthday for June and that, you know, giving to black charities in this time of need. But I was like, you need to be able to, this is a time to really assess what's been happening and it's a revolution for a lot of things. It's just now a time for the charity and philanthropy sectors to really look at themselves too. There's a lot that needs to be changed and people know it. They just haven't been able to talk about it for a long time. And 
I mean, unfortunately for we, they're the reason why we're in this conversation now. And so that's the benefit I see in this whole um, scandal happening is that the charity world is truly trying to look at itself and really realizing what needs to happen going forward. And do you see that happening with, um, with the Kilbergers? Do you think that there is this um, self-assessment going on right now and that they are looking how they can move forward? Do you think those discussions are happening? I hope so. Because if, if not at this point, then I, I really don't know. And even just as a business practice, if, and say you were, you were actually like unaware of actually what's happening and all of that. If people, this is why you have advisors on your team and all that to information. If this, if this information is brought to you and you refuse to change based on the information that's given to you, then I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say after that. You know, it's, it's one thing to be, to not know what's happening or even to be ignorant or whatever else. But if this information is brought to you and there's great evidence, there's, you know, there's factual evidence and all that. And, and this goes for any charity. If anything is brought to you and you refuse to change, then I mean, maybe your fate's sealed after that. I have no idea. As for the Kielbergers, I have no idea. All I can say is that I hope that they're reflecting on what's happening right now based on the, what's happened in their experience and the charity, um, the charity experience as a, as a whole because they've really um, shed a light on the entire industry at this point. Everyone who's working in charity is watching this conversation to be sure, A, maybe not to make those same mistakes, but B, just to be like, how can we learn better from this? And that's really what I'm about. I want to be able to take this time to really, you know, have discussions and talk with people about how charities can serve their communities better, whether here or abroad. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think uh, that is, is really, this is not about cancel culture and we need to end it. This is about having the important conversations and making sure that the changes are happening. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, this is, this is a conversation that's happening in every institution, every, or should be happening in every yeah. institution and in every business right now. So same goes yeah. for charities, uh, particularly with WE. June, mm -hmm. thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, this was great. And I, I feel much better about walking all, tramping all over this hollowed ground now. <laughs> um, it, it was enlightening. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is great. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.